Welcome to Envision Community Church's Ridiculous Love Podcast. Whether you attend our Longmont-based services or tune in online, we're so glad that you're here as part of our funky and fully affirming church today. We begin each of our podcasts just as we begin each of our services with our ethos. Married, divorced, and single here, it's one family that mingles here. Conservative and liberal here, we've all got to give a little here. Big and small here, there's room for us all here. Doubt and believe here, we all can receive here. LGBTQ plus and straight here, there is no hate here. Woman, non-binary, and man here, everyone can here. Whatever your race here, for all of us grace here. In imitation of the ridiculous love Almighty God has for each of us and all of us, let us live and love without labels. If you'd like to financially contribute to our church and our partners, you can text any amount to 84321. And now, on to this week's sermon. Happy Easter tide, everyone. I'm Nicole, I'm one of the pastors here. My pronouns are she, her. Before we dive in, I just wanna give an extra permission um, to grab an art piece and doodle or write meaningful words to you on some of the Phoenix Rising pieces that are right over by the coffee bar. We have this service and next service to finish them off, and then they're going to get reconstructed as the Phoenix and unveiled during communion on Pentecost. So, bonus points if you're distracted while I'm preaching today doing art. (laughs) Today we're going to dwell on Eastertide, as Heather Lynn mentioned, and that's the space between the resurrection of Jesus at Easter and the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, which falls in the church calendar two weeks from tonight. We're also at an in-between spot in our teaching calendar here at ECC. We've just wrapped up our book study series on the shift. Next week, we're gonna hear a really powerful message from Stacy about a couple of wonderfully subversive women of the Old Testament. And then we're gonna celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit upon the apostles at Pentecost the following week. So we're gonna embrace tonight as an in-betweener. And we're going to scripturally focus on the apostles' own in-between time, which is found in the first chapter of the book of Acts. But before I dive in, I also just want to say happy Mother's Day. Happy, happy Mother's Day to all of you who parent. I know your work is hard and holy. This year, my Mother's Day is also sort of an in-between time. This time next week, my daughter will be a high school graduate. Yeah. And on one side of this parenting in between, I was responsible for pouring in all the good things. And now we're shifting to the other side of that parenting in between, where it's my job to watch all that good, hopefully pour back out in the unique form of herself. And for me, it's a season that's not unlike the in-between place where Luke places us at the end of his gospel and at the beginning of the book of Acts. God had poured so many good things into us. The life and teaching of Jesus, his resurrection from the dead, his commissioning of the apostles to go and share his good news of God's grace to the ends of the earth. In Gospel of John, chapter 14, Jesus tells Philip, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Jesus has been telling his friends what's going to happen to him, to him and to them, over and over again, all along. And so when we find ourselves in the first chapter of the book of Acts, 
we find the apostles having walked him to the cross, seen him raised from the dead, and are finally getting to his going to the Father part for good. Jesus goes to his Father, ascending into heaven, having promised that God will send the Holy Spirit to be with them forever, to guide them, and to comfort them. And as we shift from Luke's gospel to his book of Acts, we see the central character shift in this two-part story. Jesus was obviously the central character of his gospel, and the Holy Spirit is the main character of the book of Acts. Acts is really the story of the Spirit of God. Acts is the vulnerable revealing of the desire of God's heart for us. Willie James Jennings says that Acts is the story of the collaboration between divine and human agency. And a lot of what I'm going to talk about tonight comes from his absolutely on-fire commentary about the book of Acts, which I highly recommend if you like what you hear tonight. And I'm going to admit that as I read it, I heard him as Willie Nelson. It's Willie James Jennings, you know, has like that feel to it. And I was a little disappointed when I actually, no offense if you watch this, um, <laughs> saw a picture of him and he was not Willie Nelson and he does not sound like Willie Nelson. But Acts is the story and the spirit of God. Acts is also the beginning of our story as a church. It's a story where we see God move and we respond. We move and God responds. This dance, this story continues right on from the apostles in the first chapter of the book of Acts to this very moment in our church tonight. And it'll continue for literally only God knows how long. I was reminiscing about my past three years here on staff quite a bit over the last couple of weeks. I came onto staff in May of 2020, which if you remember was the beginning of the pandemic, another in-between time that really outdid itself. <laughs> in that in-between time, this community moved from inside church held on Saturday nights over at Central Presbyterian to outside church on John Gaddis's front yard and eventually to to here in this chapel, thanks to a lot of hard renovation work led by Christy Sykes. And we moved from hugs to elbow bumps to waves and back to hugs. We moved from seeing your beautiful faces during the piece to your masked faces and back. We went from shared loaves of bread that we tore off by hand to bring your own communion elements for a short period of time, which was tough, and back now. We moved and God responded. God moved and led us to things like this beautiful space to call our own, like our members from all over the globe. And we responded. And the middle of living in that in-between time, we couldn't always see how we were making some important history of this place and this people. A lot like the apostles didn't know, that they were establishing a community, a movement of Christians that would extend to all ends of the earth and through time to us tonight. The book of Acts reminds us that the Holy Spirit did show up to guide us as Jesus promised, and that the Spirit has stayed to help us discern, discern this ongoing dance of God's movement and our response. Jennings says that Luke was naming our history as a creature, both created by and embraced by God. History as a creature with a divine creator. 
a creature that continues to find life in the minds and mouths of human storytellers, like Heather Lynn, like me tonight, like Christy, for our communion meditation. When we think of history as this creature, we understand that no story could fully capture it. I could tell you all the tales of our beloved Basset Hound Maggie, but there are no words that could fully explain how soft her ears were. There's just not, there's not the words for it. I can approximate how soft they were with words, much like Luke tries to approximate the history of the early Christian movement through the book of Acts, but there's no words that could fully capture that creature. And the full capture of history was not really Luke's aim in Acts. His aim was to create from history something altogether different, something called witness. I want to define witness here as history that shapes the path of those who are currently living. Witness is what we mean in the slogan that accompanies Holocaust Remembrance Day, never forget, never again. As long as we keep telling the story of this history of God and God's people, the ongoing movement of God becomes familiar and discernible to us. We recognize the pattern of God's movement, and we begin to move in response. Living by faith this way, in this dance, it's a lot like ballet partner work. Over time, you come to know and trust your partner's movement. And eventually, you trust that that movement is an extension and a reaction to your own. You have faith that if you jump, they will catch you. Our movement in response to God is now rooted in the same dance that began with the Acts of the Apostles. Acts gives us the beginning of the story, and truth be told, we don't know if we're in the middle or near the end of that story. We just know that we're living part of it. I've always personally been pretty comfortable with the concept of my future with God. It's something I really look forward to. You know that really cheesy worship song, the all I know is I'm not home yet, this is not where I belong. I remember hearing that as a little kid and being like, yeah, that's how I feel. Like the future with God is something that's really exciting to me. But we're not being asked to live in our future with God. We've been asked to live in this, this in-between space. And God has given us the Holy Spirit as our guide and our comforter. So if Jesus and the apostles, as his witnesses, started the story of Christian faith, and God will end it for each of us individually, then the Holy Spirit is that presence that relishes being in the present with us for every brutal and beautiful moment of this in-between time. When Heather Lynn was reading a draft of my sermon, she pointed out that we tend to define holy as something ethereal or otherworldly. But looking at the movement of the Holy Spirit helps us to define it a little bit differently. Holy is certainly something precious, but it's also deeply grounded and present in this moment. Indescribable at times, but tangible. Something with roots, something that pulls us where we're meant to go, something that stops us from going places, as we see the Holy Spirit do for the apostles in the book of Acts. Not a movement of or a movement in your life is meaningless to the Holy Spirit. Not a moment of your life is meaningless to the Holy Spirit. 
Not a moment of the apostles' early work in the early church was without meaning to the Holy Spirit. And that does not mean that the apostles' present moments, as they're described in Acts, were outside of grief or suffering or meanness or messiness. The formation of the early church, just like the ongoing formation of the Christian community, was filled with all of those human things, and it still is. So we might say, well, at least during that in-between time, the apostles had each other, right? But let's not forget, outside of these first two chapters of the book of Acts, the apostles' work in the world was not a time of togetherness. They were dispersed to the ends of the earth as Jesus had commissioned them. That's part of why the New Testament includes all those dang letters of encouragement from apostles to faraway churches. I thought of those letters when I was watching this community and the excitement of having Colby Martin with us a couple weeks ago. And those kind words that he poured over this community felt like echoes of those New Testament letters of encouragement from some visiting pastor who knows us but sees us from afar. The somewhat isolated acts of the apostles also did not constitute a time of easy service for any of them. It was marked by persecution and imprisonment. Among the 12 original, their deaths came by suicide, beheading, crucifixion, upside down, spearing, stabbing, stoning, clubbing, and burning in Rome, in Asia Minor, in India, in Ethiopia, and in Syria. You get the idea. Acts is the start of their stories, but these are not stories that have happy human endings. Of the 12 apostles, exactly one is thought to have died a nice natural death in his old age, and that was John. John alone died old and without violence and was said to have taken care of Mary, the mother of Jesus, for the rest of her days. I find that to be such a lovely fulfillment of the gospel telling of Jesus on the cross upon seeing the disciple that he loved and his mother standing there together watching him die. And Jesus said to Mary, woman, here is your son. And to John, here is your mother. And the two of them lived that out together. So back to Acts chapter 1, back to the scriptural in-between time of Eastertide, this time between Jesus rising from the dead at Easter and his ascension into heaven 40 days later, and the coming of the grounding and sending presence of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost 10 days after that. I love the term Eastertide because for me it calls to mind the image of tidal flats, which is exactly where I spent my first career in nearshore marine conservation. Those tidal flats were where the powerful ocean would show up at intervals to touch and shape the land, but also pull away at regular intervals, having done the formative work. If we think of God like the ocean and the apostles like the tidal flats, this idea of, of Easter tide holds. We see the divine rush in with the resurrection of Jesus. And we see waves of awe and wonder crash over Mary Magdalene and the other apostles as they recognize their risen Lord. We see the divine recede a bit as their doubts and questions form, as their faith is tested. Look at me. I am here, Jesus said. Touch my hands, touch my feet, see that I'm made of flesh and bones. Give me something to eat, specifically fish. I am no holy ghost here. I'm alive and I'm hungry. I am here, return to you by God. 
Do you see that little gray chapel at the far corner of that photo of the shoreline? It's called the Chapel of the Primacy of Peter. And inside it is the stone where it said that the risen Jesus prepared breakfast for the disciples during this Easter tide period, as is recounted in the Gospel of John. Although that chapel was obviously not there, that would have been almost exactly the view that the apostles would have had as they returned from a fruitless night of fishing to find Jesus making them breakfast on the beach. They were real people in real places, bewildered and filled with joy at the risen Lord, finding their footing in the ever-shifting sands of faith and doubt and belief. And not long after this breakfast, God rushes in again as Jesus is taken up to heaven after telling them to wait for the Holy Spirit, who would bring them the power to bear witness to the ends of the earth. And the divine rushes out again. Jesus is obscured behind a cloud from their sight, leaving them alone and waiting on a promise from God that they did not totally understand. And they spent that in-between time gathered in an upstairs room in Jerusalem, praying together. Through the lens of history, we know it was just 10 days, but they had no idea how long it would be. They spent some of that time reconciling the betrayal of Judas. It was easy for us to simply cast Judas as a villain. But in that, we forget that Judas was one of their beloved own, who did a terrible thing and then took his own life. Have you ever grieved the loss of somebody that you once loved but are just utterly furious with? It's such a complicated grief. And the apostles processed that complicated grief together in that room and figured out whether and how to replace the void that Judas had left. And they remained there praying, waiting for God to move. And looking back across time, what marked this stretch of the apostles' Easter tide was that togetherness, right? In the tidal flat of time, they had each other to pray with and to grieve with and to anticipate the promise of the Holy Spirit and imagine and dream what that might mean for them. They couldn't have known how the Holy Spirit was going to work among them, empowering them and, and dispersing them to individual ministries, paths, persecutions, and violent ends out in the world. For this time, they were just together, praying amidst the unknown, which is sometimes all we get. And it's not nothing. There's really power in those times when we only have each other, when God feels far away, when it feels like the tide has gone out, and we don't really know what is coming or when God is coming back. It might be an in-between time, but it's not wasted time. That's the time when we begin to feel the firmer ground, the foundation of our faith beneath us. And when we can begin to find the footing for the next step in that ongoing dance between the movement of God and our response. I want you to pray with me as I read this blessing, which we're inspired by the words of not Willie Nelson, but Willie James Jennings. Thank you, God, for the way you move among us for the ebb and flow of spirit, for your movement, however mysterious, and our response, however clumsy. Let us take this in-between time of Eastertide to recognize the presence of spirit with us, to see how she lays bare your heart, God, to hear how she whispers your wildest fantasies to us, 
of your creation turned to you in love and embraced by you, of our joining and our life together and our retelling of shared stories that bind us to a new destiny in you. May we yield to Spirit's vision for a place where we can finally lay down all of our weapons and be released from all manner of self-induced isolations and be filled by Spirit with your weapon of choice, the divine desire to be in communion with those that we hold outside of ourselves. Amen. As you listen to this teaching, we hope it was a reminder that the love of God is bigger, more inclusive, and filled with more grace than any of us can imagine. There is truly room for us all here. To learn more, go to envisioncommunitychurch.org or facebook.com forward slash envisioncommunitychurch. Thank you for joining us.